Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 357. One of my favorite series we have, Meet the Team with Sarah Carpenter. As always, tell your best story. This is our best story, episode number 16 of the uh, Tell Your Best Story series. I'm excited about Meet the Team because I get to spend so much time, hundreds and hundreds of times, I've gotten to interact with all of you. And there's so many people behind the scenes that are like actually making this thing happen, actually bringing the video casts and the clubhouse and especially the articles. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit today to life. And so I'm just, I'm so humbled always and honored to be able to work with such amazing, amazing people and count Sarah as one of those. So no further ado, Sarah Carpenter, come on in here. Sarah, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being a part of this best served thing, whatever the hell that means, uh, has been evolving. Like everything has been evolving with, uh, with the last year and a half or so since this thing started. And uh, I'm just excited to introduce you to the to the audience because you're so instrumental in, in us being able to bring stories to life. And that's what we're here to do. So want to get a little bit of your background because you also have the hospitality background, very interested kind of you as, as a writer, as an editor, as a publisher, like how you think about that world. And then very specifically with the 86, challenge, uh, your ability to, to help these writers from every level and every facet of the industry be able to bring those stories to the forefront, because that can be a big challenge, which we talk about a lot. So but take us back a little bit. Uh, kind of first job in the industry. When did you start? Like, Give us a little bit of that uh, origin story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I am proud to say even getting into the not only the publishing world, but also the food writing and food editing world in general is uh, before I even dipped into that. Um, and even before I even dipped into writing, it all kind of started with working at restaurants. So, um, you know, I grew up kind of all along South Federal, um, I guess, you know, in the hood, so to speak, like if you could say that That's for Denver. <laughs> but um, and so so, yeah, I mean, starting at like age 13, I think it was, I was already uh, needing a job. So my very first job ever uh, working at a restaurant was at this little Mexican dive that was like snuck into uh, King Super's little enclave uh, called Burrito. And it was actually spelled B-O-W hyphen T-E-E hyphen R-O-E. Eventually towards the end, I asked the owners, I was like, you know, why did you name it that? Like, why did you spell it out like that? And they're like, oh, we just wanted to make fun of white people. So I'm like, cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a wild job. Yeah, I was like, I was responsible for uh, um, dumping the grease bin um, outside, so that was a lot of fun. Wow! And yeah, I'm pressure cooking uh, the beans. They have fantastic beans, but um, they would they would throw this 13 year old on the pressure cooker, and uh, needless to say, I exploded them quite a few times. Um, the pressure sure cooker I... and the grease; those are high hazard yes. areas of uh, yes. Of the <laughs> 
for sure yes. for a 13 year old. Well, I, I, lo I love hearing that. And then it progressed, right? And then uh, you you worked in some high-end restaurants, kind of up and down across the industry. Kind of what are big takeaways for you, kind of knowing that hospitality life, the good, bad, the ugly, all of it, you've seen it all. Uh, what are some of the takeaways? Because I'm very interested in, in how you see and how you are connected to the industry. Because I think that shows when you're responsible for helping bring these stories from people in the industry, kind of to life. And I think you have a lot of empathy and understanding of kind of their plight and where they've been, where they're at, and maybe where they're trying to go. So I'm interested in takeaways for you from your time in the hospitality industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yes, of course, it did progress from there, thankfully. Um, you know, once I once I really got into college, I kind of kind of left the burbs and was really excited just to get into downtown Denver, um, was on a rare campus, um, you know, Metro, Metro State, woo, is uh you know the whole idea of that whole campus is a commuter college um it's called the road runners because even back in the day before they had the streets that went through everybody going to college there would have to cross the road to get to all their jobs and even when they started putting lawrence and all those streets through so that it's one open campus we're still being a road runner, running her all over town, you know, working our jobs and then going to night classes or whatever it was. Yeah, like, so. this is like a little history of the development of downtown. Yeah, there you go. Like <laughs> Going to throw it in, you know? So yeah, that was very much my life. I, um, I worked, you know, specifically at the market, um, rest in peace, uh, throughout all of college. I mean, and, that, that's um, an iconic Larimer Square restaurant. I'll tell you, that is the yeah. very first place when Betsy and I moved to Colorado, we oh, were wow. staying in Boulder at her brother's house up there, going and looking to find jobs. And the very first place that we went as like, let's go somewhere that's at the epicenter of Denver before we go to all these interviews that we had set up was the market. Oh, and, wow. Right? And so I think a lot of people have that like history of connection to that. And you work there. I, I love hearing that. I love that. Oh my gosh. We've intersected in different ways over the years. I think this is another really great way to like bring that together. So very cool. It is. Market. I swear we've just been like walking by each other on the sidewalk or like restaurant, whatever it is the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I've gone back to visit, I look at their little blue and white tiles, like trying to look for like the, the blood, sweat and tears, like soaked in the creases, <laughs> you know, but yeah, crazy job, just crazy stories, you know, but I paved my way through college with that. And then uh, pretty much the idea was just to, uh, you know, work at these restaurants all scattered all throughout downtown while I was chasing the writing dream and, you know, going to school for journalism and English and Spanish and different things like that. And so the idea was like, oh, OK, I'll just work these restaurant jobs and then I'm just going to land that, you know, writing job. No problem. Uh, very much kind of I feel like it's very much kind of how a actor goes out to L.A., you know, and they keep doing all these auditions and commercials right. and it, it pretty much feels like that. But um, yeah. so, Every yeah, I really... in Hollywood is actually an actor. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. So, um, gosh, just dozens. I mean, really old school places, you know, like uh, Sevilla that used to be in the pavilions and uh, Palomino and Pasquini's and the Galaxy Grill, which is was then the Rhino Room, which is then something else. And just some old school well, haunts. Cool. Um, I know old school Denverites are going to love this episode because that's yes. a blast in the past. Somebody's like, I work there. I remember so-and-so. Like, 
I think that's really great. There's so many memories tied to this good and bad. What's something for you that you love about the hospitality industry? Yeah, so, um, well, a couple things. So kind of to spout off what I was kind of saying is that um, I relate very much to what Andrew was saying, I think, in his stats that some 17% of industry people are only in the industry, you know, for the long run and the rest of us are kind of doing something else. Mm -hmm. I very much thought I was, you know, that other percentage that I, oh, I'm going to do something else. And it was just always a job. But um, what I love about the industry, from my personal experience anyway, is that that whole span that I just got done explaining was happened to be coincidentally over like the past 20 years that a lot of a lot of restaurant tours talk about it. A lot of Denverites of like this culinary boom that Denver went through from about the sure. 2000s until, you know, 2016, 2019, you know, I guess if you can still count the pandemic. Um, so I think during my path, when I thought like, oh, okay, I'm just here for a job, the industry was evolving and growing up. And then I was growing up with it. I was literally being raised with it. And so the more interesting it became, the more stories that chefs had to say, the more questions that diners were asking, then I was also asking those same questions. And I was back there in the kitchen, scribbling all kinds of notes with the chefs, tell me the history about this, because I was mainly a server. So, you know, I want to, I would want to pull as many stories to then go back to my guests and then tell them those stories and, you know, just make their experience that much better. Um, so that's just kind of like my time in the industry and how I grew up with it. But my, what I love about it for me is just, you know, even, you know, you can say like pandemic or not, it's just for me, the industry has always been there for me. Um, I think I took it for granted for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think very much exactly like a family, you know, you might grow up with a family that's dysfunctional, that elicits a little bit of trauma, but it's that family that raised you and taught you all the lessons in life and taught you how to clean and do your laundry and whatever. And you, you take that family for granted. You're like, you have no idea how much they taught you. And that's how much that that was what the industry was for me, is that it's just always been there for me when I needed a job, when I was done and out. And for the longest time, I looked at it as that is like, oh, OK, this is just the thing I'm going to lean on. And then probably, you know, maybe about 2013, I'd say, then I, I suddenly kind of went over this this cliff where I started becoming more engaged. Uh, the industry was getting more interesting. I was getting more interested in it. Uh, diners were becoming more interested in it. So it wasn't just a job anymore. It was just this whole culture. And a lot of people had something to say. And then I realized I had something to say about it too. So then I really started integrating my writing into it. Um, just my time and just what I was learning from these chefs. So you know, speed up to, you know, maybe like five years ago or something, I'm kind of made full circle. After I was able to get out of the industry, I then found myself coming right back into it. But instead with an apron on with like a pen and pad. And my 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 biggest service at that time was, let me come back and let me pay my gratitude and give my thanks to now that I finally appreciated and realized, yeah, everything it's done for me. And let me start telling the stories about these chefs, about these dishwashers, about these bartenders and sommeliers and how hard I know they work because I have seen it and they were my mentors, even if, you know, it was different people. Um, so that, that was the biggest thing. That was the way that, 
you know, if I can just keep doing that for a while, the way I can say thank you for the past 20 years of, of them putting up with me. So, yeah, I hear you there. And so now we've kind of spun that into finding new and different ways to find stories from within the industry. And the 86 challenge came about as an opportunity to say, well, can people tell their own story? Right. And I think so many people, the narr the culinary narrative just doesn't fit them because it's not their experience because there's 10 million people that are, you know, in, at any given time, part of this industry. And so we wanted to find a way to shift that as well as be able to, to value the worth of them as individuals and their experience and stories and something that you and I, and all of us have talked about, like there's not enough value in the whole ecosystem of food media. Like even professional writers are not getting paid what it's worth to bring those stories to life. And so like there's just there needs to be a, a shift in food media, just like there's needs to be a shift in the restaurant industry. And so, you know, we found each other again and said, let's let's work on this this 86, 86, 86 challenge. You especially have been so proactive in like reaching out to the writers in this process and like trying to understand the words that they submitted in this article, sometimes and often clumsily uh, composed together because they're not professional writers. You know, sometimes it felt like it was just a long Facebook post. It, we found ways to bring these stories forward. And you were always wanting to reach out to them and find out like, how can I help bring what the true story is to life through what you've written? So I'm just fascinated, you know, and even highlight some of the struggles where people just like, couldn't get the words out or couldn't like connect with them very fascinated i think so many people are of like how we bring these stories to life through this challenge so give us some insight there yeah well and i would say you know as um uh i, I say this for the purpose of editing not not to toot my own horn but as a practice editor and writer the very first thing that i would say right mm -hmm. off the bat for certain is that um these these stories that were coming in, these industry members, I consider them all writers. I was absolutely blown away by every single story. Me too. I I got tears in my eyes. I got goosebumps. Um, you know, a good editor when they're first looking at the story always reads it through top to bottom first. Like, put your red pen down. You know, just really absorb the story. Mm -hmm. And I hope that every single like the ones I edited and and anyone else. I hope every member who submitted realizes that they are storytellers that what they put on paper yes. was epic it was to me it was it was it was not a mess it was never amateur these wow. people had something to say and i think it's because <laughs> they were um you know when you're when you're speaking from your heart when you're speaking from something that you're passionate about and even something that was very difficult to go through that is just a story there's no there's no need for really like an art and a craft like that just comes out because yeah. it's your experience and i think that happened for every single person and and they were all so incredibly unique you know at the same time while i'm reading these stories i'm relating to all of them but they each each story also showed me something even though i'm like yes i've been through that experience each story showed me something that i just haven't quite thought of quite in that way before and just the way they experienced it. Like, for example, like Camille's, she talks about food nostalgia. Um, but so I, you know, we all think of different things with food nostalgia, but she talks about it in a way of connecting to, you know, certain moments or certain people and, and the way they did the presentation. Um, there were different kind of, you know, 
sensory uh, triggers for her that yeah. took her to that place. Yeah. Um, you know, and then just I was I was entirely there was another story about a writer and and a chef who you know went from settling in a state that was you know a whole lot of work, which I also related to to how that prompted you know down the road to her uh, cooking quiche, and then that went off into you know a whole food blogging adventure oh, yeah. it um, starts with quiche i remember that i remember yeah, so many it all of, the titles of these articles because yeah. here's an interesting thing i think this is part of what you're speaking to which which i'm so impressed that you picked up on this it's like i first thought that we were doing something for people in the industry like we're going to come up with a way to bring stories out that nobody has ever asked to be a part of stories so many of the writers first time ever writing anything let alone a published article let alone a paid article and I was like, and we're going to shift the dollars and we're going to pay them $86 and we're going to create this like really interesting, unique model. And what I recognized getting to read every single one of those stories was like, they did something for us. Like I was, I've been changed and moved like you have by these stories from such unexpected individuals who I'm just like humbled by the fact that they trusted us enough to bring this story out. I didn't, I, we, we didn't do anything for them. They did something for us. We just held the space for that to happen. And yeah. I do think that that's meaningful and valuable. So I like really appreciate that you're highlighting that. I, I wanna take just a moment because one of the things is we want more and more and more voices added to the culinary narrative that they all get to be a part of that story. And it's a challenge. So many of us have imposter syndrome. Like, who am I? Why, could, why would anybody wanna read my story? Like, who would care about that? There's hundreds and hundreds of people I've interacted with who don't believe me at first, Sarah, when I'm like, I want to publish an article by you and I want to pay you. And, yeah. and, and that's hard. Speak to them for a moment. The, the, the people out there that are like, oh, I, I would love to write an article. I just, ugh, I don't know how I can't do it. I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm not this or that. Speak to them for just a moment, because I think hearing from you, somebody who gets to interact with them and their story would really help because I want them to hear it. I want them to go and start scribbling down whatever story is in them and we will publish it. Yes, yeah, so, you know, that is, uh, that's the magic ingredient we're working on, right? The magic recipe. That's the um, Yes. So, you know, I mean, for me, I guess as a writer, that's, that's what's tough is that the way I'm able to encourage other folks to tell their stories is just by devoting time. And I know not everybody always has that, but, you know, in the nature of a typical, you know, journalism endeavor is that I'm actually going to visit someone in their setting and be able to sit down and talk to them and just hear them talk. They don't even have to write anything down. I'm doing all the notes or maybe I have a recorder or something like that and I'm able to tell the story with them. But, um, but those same stories that they're telling, they are also capable, you know, of sharing those as well. And of course we have the blessing of multitude platforms that they wanna get on Clubhouse, share their story that way. They want to do it in a podcast if they want to write it, you know, but uh, but there is, of course, something special about having it written down. Um, you know, maybe they can think of it in the way that, that you have recipes locked into a book. You know, the more they're able to start writing down some of these stories, uh, the more they're they're going to be able to kind of put them in a, a time capsule, you know, and, and especially for the folks who have very heartfelt stories that are they're cooking with recipes from their grandparents or their mother or whatever it is, you know, like even more, you want to hold those stories dear and be able to share those as well. So I think it's just, you know, I think it's just time. And I think it's just also just 
I think it's being willing to, I guess, willing to, to, to open yourself up to the storytelling world. And what's funny is I know you and I both know this is that people are telling stories every single day. They talk with a friend, they say what happened, you know, at the restaurant that day, they're all excited about the recipe. They're telling a story about how they got into this recipe and, oh yeah, I traveled, you know, to, you know, Tokyo, and this is why I picked this up. I mean, they're, we're always telling stories. So I think it's just getting comfortable and being willing to take that magic moment and just put it into something. And just all you're doing is just hopping from that conversation, you know, into a blog post, into a podcast, whatever it might be, and just put it there. And I think just being willing to kind of not get the jitters of, of the medium and just saying, hey, I'm just right. here to do the same thing I was just doing five minutes ago talking mm -hmm. about the special to my staff. But, you know, something else really lit off for me. I, I watched uh, that interview with you and Andrew again from about a month ago um, where you were Andrew introducing Parr, Andrew Parr. Martin, yeah. yep. When you were introducing Andrew Parr, um, you guys said something right towards the end. This was like a new light bulb that just happened within the past 24 hours. Um, you brought it, you were talking about labor shortage, um, which I know you've been talking about recently and it's a whole other conversation. And it was very interesting, even in even in that particular uh, time with introducing Andrew Parr. So you were getting towards the end of talking about labor shortage, you know, and how ultimately, you know, industry members do want to get back into the industry. And then you said both of you said something that was very important that um, there is this idea, which is, the, again, a whole other tangent conversation about the younger generation, the so-called millennials, uh, you know, that maybe get a lot of criticism for not wanting to work or not wanting to you know, climb the ladder to get to where they need to be and just put in the work. And you all said something where, you know, if even if that is the case, whether it is or not, that we need to also, you know, us who've been here, who've been experienced, we need to give them something to be inspired. And one way to do that is telling stories. And that was just huge to me because I happened to, I just spent some time with a, a chef friend. Uh, we went out to San Diego and ate too many tacos and, you know, just ha had a great time together. And, and this friend, um, he's currently going to culinary school uh, specifically to get his teaching license, but he's been in the industry for decades and has done it all. Um, executive chef, you know, did some time in Vegas and Colorado. He's from Albuquerque initially. And I've been trying to get him to tell his stories too. And we were just talking about this a week ago about him having a hard time, you know, inspiring his students you know, really to put that work in. And I've been trying to also inspire him to tell his stories. And once you all said that in the conversation, immediately I wanted to go back to my chef friend in Albuquerque and be like, this is the way you inspire your students that you're teaching now and hope to still keep teaching in the next few years is be willing to tell those stories. Tell them about, you know, your grandmother's recipes. And I mean, he does all this amazing cooking you know, that he's learned from his grandmother out in Albuquerque. I'm like, tell those stories or just tell something, you know, like that right. is the channel. Any story, any story. Yeah. Sarah, here's, yeah. Two things, here's two things I want to leave people with as we wrap this that I think are really yeah. important from what you just said. Number one, time. We use the excuse of I'm too busy. I don't have enough time all the time. Yet your ability to tell your story equals your ability to feel valued in and of yourself, let alone within your community. And if you want yeah. to get practical about it, your ability to tell your story equals more money in any given job. Because the people who can tell the best stories are the most convincing and the most convincing people are able to get what they need out of life. So tell that story. You yeah. have time. You have time for whatever you commit to. 
I think that's super important. The second part is sometimes we're trying too hard to grasp at the perfect story. Like, just tell me about the first place you ever had sushi at. Tell yeah. me your favorite salmon dish to cook. Tell me about uh, barbecuing with your dad. Like any of those stories that are just a part of your life can be the story. It doesn't have yeah. to be a story that changes the world, yet enough little stories will change the world. So those yes. two things I really appreciate from what you're saying. So Sarah, I, I love this. I, I cannot wait to do more work with you. I cannot wait to learn more from you. I'm so excited. Now I'm going to like look up a couple of these restaurants that you mentioned because uh, I'm <laughs> such a, a historian of, of food as well. I, I'm so fascinated in kind of how we got to this point. So everybody, Sarah Carpenter, uh, just integral part of the, uh, of the team here at Best Served and especially in helping us bring these 86, 86, 86 challenge stories to life. So Sarah, thank you so much. Well, and then just thank you so much for, you know, letting me be a part of the team. Uh, this is, you know, it's absolutely motivated me and inspired me over the past year that I really needed. So I mean that, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I mean, just plugging into anything you do any day, uh, just completely gets, just brings all the inspiration back. So I really appreciate Let's it. Go. I'm a good hype, man. You hear that from me all the time. All right, Sarah, we're going to let you go. Really appreciate you. All right. Thank you so Cheers. much. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode. So honored to be able to introduce you to Sarah Carpenter. Once again, Best Served Podcast 357. Meet the team. You'll, you've already met some of the team. And if you haven't, make sure you check out this series. Sophie, who you want to meet as well, we'll drop these links into the comments so you can kind of follow the full thread. And especially right now, meeting the editors of the 86, Challenge. So, so important. These are storytellers that are really meaningful to us here at Best Served, but also to the industry at large. So thank you so much. You, right now, you, you're watching this, you're listening to this, scribble down your story. Whatever that story that you're telling right now, please do it. We will publish it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.